Hey there, folks. Trustworthy Fat Kev Smith. Before we start casting the pods, man, let me try to sell you something first, okay? Do you like me? Do you like my friends Jason Muse, uh, Ralph Garman? Then guess what? We're coming to a town near you, man. Halifax, Pasadena, Ontario, and Berea, California. Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, and Orlando, Florida. Chicago, St. Louis, Atlantic City, San Diego for the Comic-Con, and Louisville, Kentucky. We're coming your way, man. Come see a Smod Co. show. Tickets at csmod.com. That's S-E-E-S-M-O-D.com. Now, if you can't come to one of our shows, you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to support this two-bit operation? Well, how about you kick back in your home with some family and friends and loved ones and play Monopoly? Jay and Silent Bob strike back Monopoly. That's right, man. You can buy from jayandsilentbob.com, the home of the secret stash, right there online. A signed edition of uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back Monopoly. Me and Muse sign it, man. Jason Muse, Jay himself, me, Silent Bob. Uh, and the parts are real fun, man. They got a little cock knocker, a little fist, a little, uh, a little Suzanne, a little blunt mobile. It's crazy, man. Get your hands on it. You get drunk, get stoned, and play a round of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back Monopoly. Available signed by me and Jason Muse at jayandsilentbob.com. Now... Here comes your Smodco podcast. Geek News Reviews Commentary. Not just another podcast. Uh, the Ordinary Big Ball Broadcast. Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. Now here comes your host, Kyle A. Barrett of the World Steve. Welcome to the Big Ball Broadcast. Oh my God, it's all the geeky news you can use. And uh, my name is Kyle A. Bear. I'm the voice of Sir Smodco Internet Radio. I'm also an anime and video game voice actor here on the West Coast. And your co-host of the East Coast, Otherworld Steve. He does cool things like make books and music and uh, all that stuff. Well, are we going to see some output in 2015 from your creative uh, juices? You know, I'm hoping. I- I've been missing the music a lot, and I'm trying to find a way to wrap it into my really busy schedule. But um, next month, well, listening to it now, this month, my wife and my my kids are going to Disney for the first time um, with with the kids, and I'm not going. I'm staying at home for the uh, express intent of spending a solid week. I'm going to take that week out of work, and I'm going to try to finish my book. It's only been seven years in the making, so I'm hoping to wrap it up in 2015. Right, right, and uh, catch our new listeners up. So uh, you have written on everything. You've compiled. You got all these book projects. Stuff involving the government, right? Like animal experimentation in, in the military and all sorts of weird, quirky topics. It started um, pretty generalized about the use of animals in espionage and warfare. And as I was compiling information, probably the first three years of research I did, it got very overwhelming. It, it would be probably the size of like in, in Encyclopedia Britannica if I followed that path. So I had to make some really harsh choices and decide what I was going to focus on. And um, I, I just fell in love with the weaponization of mosquitoes, which certainly is not a conspiracy theory. It's very, very uh, well-documented fact that for a number of years, uh, our government, along with other governments, um, intentionally infected mosquitoes with certain diseases and, and even combinations of diseases and did numerous tests, um, not only in the U.S., but uh, equatorial regions and and in South America, a bunch of places. So that's what I decided to focus on was just strictly about mosquitoes. And it starts in 
the the mid 1800s around the time of the Civil War and goes right through the present day. Well, cool. So when you get that done, I guess uh, I can do your audiobook version, right? It'll be boring as fuck, but that would be great if you would do that. No, we'll do an alternate version that is full of life. We'll have a, a bunch of character voices and make it all entertaining. <laughs> Even the mosquitoes have voices. That's right. I'm like, I used to suck a lot of people. Wait a minute. What do you mean by that? Well, I'm a mosquito. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, one thing you've been involved with, I, I, I want to hear uh, your take on it. You did the voice of Dr. Octopus for a, a Marvel app game, Spider-Man app. And uh, the trailer went up on YouTube, and I was like really impressed with the feedback on your involvement in this project. What, what can you say about that? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's a free running game, Endless Runner, like uh, Temple Run and all these other things. Your character is on screen. You just swipe to go jump and left and under and all that stuff to avoid obstacles to gain points. And, of course, it's a freemium game. There's in-app purchases, but there's also free updates, and they keep adding more characters to the thing. And it's really impressive graphic-wise, gameplay-wise. It's a lot of fun, and it's free. It's for iOS and Android, Spider-Man Unlimited. It came out last year, and they've been building stuff on it onto it for some time. And um, I got to come in and be Doc Ock, and uh, not with an accent. They They just wanted just plain, just like dark and deep and creepy and... We worked on the trailer about a month ago. This is, this is the interesting thing about video game development. For a console game, it could be anywhere between six months to a year, certainly for localization of Japanese games, or even multiple years, like uh, Guild Wars 2 took uh, three, four years of development easily, and I was coming back every six months recording new dialogue for that. But a mobile game is done in one session, maybe two hours or less, Typically, less than an hour, actually, of recording dialogue. And then we had this trailer, right? And I thought, oh, my God, this is so cool. I've always wanted to do this sort of, this, this, this sort of character voice, and I haven't really gotten to do that. So we had representatives from Marble on Skype listening in, and uh, I'm doing like 80,000 takes. Some are a little more manic and over the top. And what they ended up doing in the final version of this Doc Ock Spider-Man Unlimited mobile game trailer is 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 a mashup. It's kind of like uh, what George Lucas on Star Wars just Frankenstein a bunch of different takes together. Some are subtle, some are over the top, and some are just like teetering on the edge of insanity. And I thought they they really did a good blend with it. I'm really really proud of it. Not just because it's Marvel, but I, I just think that because so many people keep going, that's you. <laughs> it's like uh, yeah. So Google that, guys and gals. YouTube YouTube that and. That alone, whether you play Spider-Man Unlimited as on your mobile game, your tablet, or your phone, um, I don't know. This may this may get you interested in it. Who knows? I mean, again, free is a good price, and if not, you know, the trailer is less than two minutes long, and uh, it, it b- builds up a really creepy atmosphere really well. A little bit of reverb on the VO and, and, and all that, and then uh, I, I downloaded and did the update on the game. I haven't unlocked my chapter yet. I think it's like chapter five where they stuck Doc Ock in there. But uh, you should download it because you're an Android person, so it's available. You know, I had it, and I got really frustrated with the game, and I ended up deleting it. So I think I have to download it again. <laughs> well, try but it. What, so, I was, yeah. what I was most impressed about was was reading the comments on YouTube, and I could tell it, it wasn't, you know – 
the posse you run with exclusively. There are people from all over the world who have their own opinions, and the internet can get really ugly at times, but people were overwhelmingly positive about the trailer. And what I had to chuckle about was a lot of people were hurt that it was for a mobile game. You know, they're like, this trailer was so well done. And, and truly, your narration as Dr. Octopus was really impressive. I've heard Thank you, you in a lot of different properties, and I was blown away listening to that trailer. And people were saying, this is just for a mobile game. This should be something bigger. This should be for a console game or for a movie. So there you go, Bear. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, that feels good, man. Thank you. Um, I should look up on YouTube and see. I just checked it, like, the day that it posted. And then, of course, I whored myself out. and was like, hey, guess what? I'm on this, you know, because that's what actors do. We're whores. But I haven't gone back to YouTube because usually it's full of vitriol and, and hate and, and all that. And it's like, oh, they fucked it up, man. He, he's supposed to have an accent or this makes no sense. It's stupid. But yeah. And, and, and who knows? You know, Marvel probably, you know, sits there and lurks and creeps around on Twitter and Facebook and, and YouTube just to see what the vibe is towards things. So maybe if this game does well enough, maybe they'll take elements of it or just do a full on port over to the console or, or something for the, the PSN or. Or Xbox Live. I'd be down or, for that. At the least, they give you a call and say, hey, we really like the feedback from yeah. uh, your voice work, so come and work on this property. That's cool. Yeah, I'm slowly infiltrating. Like, years ago, I was a DJ for Radio Disney. Disney bought Marvel a few years ago, and they're doing gangbusters. And then I've done stuff like Marvel Pinball. I'm Iron Man on that. I'm, uh, I've been... Super Scroll on the Avengers cartoon, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I've gotten to do J. Jonah Jameson for Disney Infinity 2.0, Marvel Online, and I think Spider-Man Unlimited. I can't even remember anymore. So now that J.K. Simmons is like, you know, Mr. Oscar winner, I think his asking fee might be a little high. So if they just come back to like, let's get that guy that sounds like J.K. Simmons for J. Jonah Jameson, then thanks for the work, J.K. Awesome stuff. <laughs> Yeah, totally, man. Ah, we're having a good time. So, um, what we meant to do last week, and I think the week before, was check our our, our mailbag because uh, we have one. Believe it or not, we all we're always pimping Twitter at BB Broadcast, and that's totally fine. But we realize some of you guys and gals out there don't really uh, embrace the social networks. Like some hate Facebook, and others hate hate Twitter. And it's like I don't want Big Brother watching everything I post. It's like I got some news for you: they're watching and listening. Don't worry. You just got to get used to that. So send us an email, uh, thebigballbroadcast at gmail.com. Uh, first, a shout out to Jaden North, who says, hey, guys, this is Jaden from Arkansas. I love the podcast, and I'm hoping to see more people engage with it. I'm curious what each of your favorite video games is and why. Keep up the great entertainment, guys. Uh, Steve, you go ahead and lead off. F- favorite games. Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 for the PS2 or PS1, I believe. Just, just there, and why? Uh, um, geez, uh, it's it's probably the the best game in terms of responsive controls that I've ever played, and the fucking soundtrack is amazing. I, I will go on record again, kids at BB Broadcast uh, on Twitter. Um, I think it's got the greatest game soundtrack of any game I've ever played. Um, I, so much so that I, I rocked it in my car when I go to work. It's just a fucking awesome. You got suicidal tendencies and, and, uh, uh, dead Kennedys and just all these great bands. And, uh, you don't see that much, uh, anymore nowadays. I think it was Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 w- was my first exposure to System of a Down. So 
really, really kick-ass stuff. Um, but no, I, I partially kid. Yes, that is a great game, and I still do not play on that game. But um, Infamous for the, the PS3, Infamous 1 and Infamous 2, still uh, a very, very, very uh, fond spot in my heart. As a matter of fact, I was playing Infamous 2 earlier today. I just I can't get enough of that game. And as I mentioned before, that, that was my first and only uh, game-related tattoo. I have the, the First Sons logo tattooed on my uh, my left shin, so... Yes, Tony Hawk, Pro Skater, and Infamous. Mm, man. Well, he did say plural, video games. So you have some other favorites on there besides those? I have my uh, my Dragon's Lair arcade cabinet. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that counts, video game. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I would say so. You went through a little more effort and expense than the typical gamer might. I, I built this thing from scratch. I tracked down parts. I mean, you know... It, Talk about being a geek when you get excited that you found some speaker grills. You know, I'm like, holy shit, these are speaker grills off an original cabinet. I paid way too much for them, but they're original speaker grills, and I have them on my cabinet. The the crowning achievement with that, though, was getting in touch with uh, Don Bluth. And if you guys don't know Don Bluth, um, he was a, a former Disney animator who went independent. He did Secret in Them, which is still... Uh, fucking incredible uh, animated film to watch. A lot of other things, the first thing before time. Um, I was able to contact him and I asked him if he would sign my marquee. And uh, what was really, really cool about Don Bluth was when he received my marquee in the mail at his office, he contacted me and he said, um, I'm actually here in a meeting with Gary Goldman who was the co-creator of Dragon's Lair. And he said, do you want Gary to sign it as well? I was like, fuck yeah. So I've got my marquee signed by Don Bluth and, and Gary Goldman. So that's just, that, that's something I will cherish for the rest of my life. That's so cool. Yeah. I ended up getting like his signature on Anastasia and um, God, what else? What it was, it was, it was just really, really cool to see that uh, he was trying to get a, a development deal for like a an animated feature film version of Dragon's Lair. And at the time, and this was the mid '90s or the late '90s, early 2000s, and they were saying like, "Yeah, they want celebrities for the main cast." Like they were talking about David Schwimmer as Dirk the Daring, <laughs> and like, okay. And I said, "Well, you know, I I'd like to be in the running to at least audition, you know, uh, for for any like smaller characters." He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we definitely keep you in mind." It's like. Sweet. I love that. Uh, Don Bluth also went on to do like American Tale. Um, we're, we're missing one here. Titan AE. I think one of the underrated ones that didn't do that well theatrically, but caught on a, uh, a thing, uh, a bit of a following after because, uh, Joss Whedon wrote that along with a uh, Ben Edlin from the tick. Um, it's really, really cool. And, um, I would like to see Don Bluth come back into I mean, he's an older gentleman, of course, but I would love to see uh, his style of animation come back into the fray. It's so tough because almost nothing is done in traditional 2D animation anymore. And I know that's something uh, him and his crew really prided themselves on was this was actually hand done, you know, layered cells and everything. He did all the, the key sketches and everything. And I know a lot of what he wanted to do going forward would still have him and his crew doing it in the traditional fashion, but with expenses and, and the timeline. I mean, it takes years to get a product like that out. 
Yeah. And it's kind of frustrating. The, the investment isn't there. People don't want to invest in traditional animation because they just feel there's too much risk behind it. It's unfortunate. As you mentioned, he is an older gentleman, uh, him and Gary Goldman both. So I don't think that that part's ever going to come to be. But I mean, he, he's not dead yet. You know, he, I think he'd be a great consultant with other projects and everything. I think he still has a lot to offer. So here's hoping we haven't heard the last from Don Bluth. Yeah. Now, Jaden, in terms of video games that I enjoy through the years, it's hard to narrow it down to, into one. I mean, in the old days when arcades were, were like the big, big thing in the early eighties, I was all about Pac-Man, Donkey Kong pole position tempest all, all that stuff and then when consoles came along i had an atari 2600 i love things like yars revenge and everything i had a coleco vision i love seeing those those arcade ports come over of course they were not nearly as good but i still thought it was cool even atari pac-man was still fun just because it's pac-man is cheapy and cheap and cr- incredibly crappy that it, that it came out um other ones that I, I just play the shit out of, uh, House of the Dead 2 was, was a big favorite of mine on Dreamcast. Uh, Sega! Um, oh god, what else? Uh, the Ghost in the Shell game on PS1 I played a lot of, was terrible at. Uh, <laughs> Soul Calibur, I've often, uh, been a big button mashing, uh, fan. So, uh, Soul Calibur 2 is my favorite out of that series. I've gotten to voice, like a custom voice on Soul Calibur 5, but 5 was a lot harder. Any fighting game, fighting games are fun, but, um, I can't remember combos. So, uh, I just end up button mashing. And then first person shooters, I tend to be, you know, Operation Meat Shield and everything, but I do enjoy Halo a lot. Call of Duty is a lot of fun, but my favorite first person shooter is left for dead, bar none. I couldn't get into Dead Island. I was not interested in anything else. Resident Evil has its 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 moments for me, but once it starts involving puzzle solving, I'm out. I just want to go kill things. I just want to shoot them and kill them in the face. Uh, Titanfall is fun. I got to do some background voices on that, but I truly love the melding of mechs and the Call of Duty engine. Uh, the Modern Warfare is a lot of fun, too. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and now on mobile, on mobile gaming, I'm currently enjoying a lot of, uh, Spider-Man Unlimited. I'm granted I'm biased, of course, but, uh, I love Temple Run. I, I, I kill a lot of time on my flights to the conventions. I do a lot of travels across the globe and I have to kill time somehow. So, um, I fire up a lot of, uh, mobile gamings type things. Uh, let's see. JRPGs. Uh, we're getting asked from Sigmund 88 in our chat room where we do our live audio stream every Tuesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. He says, Kyle, do you play JRPGs? I mean, do you voice them? Yeah, yeah. I actually voice a ton of JRPGs. Fire Emblem Awakening is one of the biggest ones I'm on. I do bit part voices in Fire, uh, Fire, Final Fantasy 13 and 14. Um, uh, I'm in a bunch of others. Tales of Symphonia. Um, You'd have to go to my website, kylelabor.com. Just start looking up things. You'll see me on, on a ton of different games. Um, but uh, let's continue on with uh, some more uh, stuff in our mailbag. Gaz B says, yo, dudes, just want to say fantastic shows. You seem to talk about everything I want to know. My brother and son have now started listening. I have bipolar and find it hard sometimes to have something to talk about with my brother, but your show is common ground for us. Thanks, guys. I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith all my life, but one day I found out myself looking on you on your podcast and oh my god mr a bear me and my group of friends and son are big dragon ball fans too i'm crazy that you're now part of the smodcast 
Your podcasts are smooth, funny, and so up-to-date with all the geek news. I now find myself checking out the new podcast first. Keep it up, gents. Me, Gareth Bevan from Yorkshire, UK. My brother, Jamie. Son, Josh. Friends, Neil Davies, Daniel Beasley. Thank you guys for your hard work. Please keep it up. Ideas. Well, Mr. Bear, why not do a section talking about different voice actors each week? I think you and other voice actors don't get enough credit that you deserve. When I was younger, I wanted to do voice acting, but I've got an English Yorkshire voice. Not good, haha. And I used to pause VHS tapes to find the voice actors out like yourself, Mel Blank, and the voice god, in my opinion, Frank Welker. Have a nice day, Mr. Bear, and Otherworld Steve. Wow. That's, uh, that's a very, 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 uh, very gracious email. Thank you, Gaz. For the kind, kind words. It's great to, to know that we're being listened to all the way in the mighty UK with your Yorkshire accent. I have to work on that one. Uh, usually I just go into to, to this dialect, but yeah. In our old incarnation of the Big Ball broadcast we had uh, from 2005 to 2010, we did have a lot of voice actor guests on our show. Um, but I feel it can be somewhat alienating if we focus too much on that thing. Even though I do it professionally, I like talking about all things geeky and whatever voice actor guests we do have on this new iteration of our podcast. Uh, I want to make sure that we focus more on them as a geek, as a fellow nerd, you know, the things that they enjoy. We can briefly touch on things like if you, if you scroll up on smodcast.com on our page, you'll find a previous episode of, uh, of our, of our show where we have Sean Schimmel. He's the voice of Goku from Dragon Ball Z. But if you listen to the hour long show, he doesn't really talk on it, and we didn't really touch base about Dragon Ball Z or anime. We just talked about life, and that's kind of what we love about Smodco and the fact that we can just be laid back and have a lot of fun and talk about all things. So we don't want to alienate people. by Oh, we don't want to listen to this episode because they talk about anime. It's like, well, we have an anime person or a, a personality on there, but uh, we're going to make sure that we keep everyone's ears you know, wide open uh, because we love honing in on the people themselves. You know, our plans for the show, of course, is to have people from all different parts of the industry, whether they work in audio or music or uh, animation, uh, all the sorts of things that we talk about. We want to have people that come from different backgrounds talk about that. We've had Zero Reynolds. Zero is also in a previous episode. He's a, a great freelance artist who's, who's, who's churned out, uh, music, which you hear at the end of every episode. Uh, that's his cool dubstep stuff, but he's also a very, very accomplished artist, uh, and, uh, writer. He's done, you know, novels and web comics and all sorts of things. We like to, we like to, you know, just, just keep it nice and open on that. Like, I'm sure Steve has a, has a laundry list of, uh, of people that we could easily have on this show and have people's ears totally glued. I would love to. Absolutely. And as we continue to crank on episodes, we're going to keep bringing guests in. Um, it's kind of sporadic. We, we kind of like to keep you, uh, I guess, guessing what's coming next. And the thing I, I kept thinking about as you were talking about the, the voice actors, Kyle, is I, I guess kind of realistically, I mean, that's what you do for a living. That, that's your, your, your Monday through Friday. And in a lot of cases, you're at conventions on the weekends. So, I mean, really, how much do you want to talk about anime in the industry? It's, it's going to be uh, a little draining at some point. It's kind of good just to be more laid back and relaxed and talk about other things going on in your life. I certainly wouldn't want to do a show where I come home and talk about my work, you know, what I do for a living. <laughs> but I'm blessed in that, you know, my work is things that I am interested in. Believe it or not, for all the anime stuff that I have worked on, 
I don't have a lot of time and sometimes not even any interest in some of the shows I'm even on. I, I can't afford to get uh, copies of it. There's not enough hours in the day to watch these these epic 300, 400, 600 uh, length shows. You know, I, I'm throughout One Piece, but um, I'll be damned if I'm going to invest you know, 600 plus episodes of time <laughs> to catch up. And I know I'm, I'm sure I'm missing out on a wildly entertaining show. And Matt Cohen, who, uh, who hosts some podcasts here on Smodco, he interviewed me for his show, uh, a year or two back. And he is all about One Piece. And, uh, I still feel, uh, enormously honored to be parts of things like that. You know, the only show that I've really watched a ton of is Dragon Ball Z. Uh, and I've watched other things since I, you know, I, but there's just not a lot of time to watch that or even play. A lot of the games. I'm so a so short attention span. That's why mobile gaming works so well for me. I don't know, Steve, if you if you play any mobile games or not. I do. Um, my problem is uh, I'm a drug addict, and that's my crack. I, I, if I start a game, I want to do everything, all, all the achievements, and unlock all the levels, and it gets a little, little distracting uh, from my life. Unfortunately, I, I just got done finished uh, playing Sniper 3D on Android, um, nice graphic bloody game blowing people's brains out from a great distance. Um, that's always a, a fun little means of stress relief, but you did certainly hit the nail on the head about it's, it's accessible. You can pick up, you can play, you throw it back in your pocket. It, it's not like investing in a console game. So yeah, I, I don't play many apps, but the ones that I do play, I play the shit out of. Yeah. We like that. Uh, and then finally, our, our last email, <laughs> then we'll be caught up. Uh, we got one from Aaron Jackson, who says, Hey, podcast dudes, Kyle and Steve. I have a story about techno- technological issues, but while it's more common than unique, I hope it still counts. I borrowed Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag for the system, from a friend of mine. And while I'm expectant of problems in the eighth generation of games, this game was a unique and absolute monster. At times, the audio for the boat's cannons would cut off. The sea winds mute in mid-sail. NPCs digitize out of thin air without walking distance to the player. Combat objectives would lock up, making completing them impossible without a system reboot. And worst of all, cause my system to freeze multiple times and crash. One time it was so bad, it made my system unable to even read other discs properly. No contact from support help whatsoever. The only cure for this issue was to simply wait to play it again later, to which it is now the one game my system refuses to play. Despite this, no other Assassin's Creed game in the franchise has done this, and my Blu-ray anime and movies as well as games work just fine. I have since then vouched never to buy another Ubisoft game except Rayman. Um, I have been phenomenally lucky, except for the uh, the Red Ring of Death for some Xboxes in the past, but I haven't had games do that to me. I I don't know if that's just a glitch, like a, just a bad disc, or is it a bad entire run of something? I know the last Assassin's Creed game was plagued with uh, quite a few issues. I read not too long ago, hopefully they were going to be getting some patches out to try to rectify whatever they can. Um, I mean, that kind of speaks to a much larger topic that we can address on a, on a later show about a lot of lackluster performance, I guess, from a lot of the developers. It goes along with a lot of the content on the disc being locked and then having it available as DLC later at a price, even though it's already you know pressed onto the disc. 
um, and, and developers just rushing shit to market because they know people are going to buy it. If, if it's a, a known franchise, you're going to sell your, you know, 100 million copies and then deal with the, the blowback later. You mentioned uh, Xbox with the Red Ring of Death. I think it had something like a 58% failure rate, but they still sold hundreds of millions of consoles and then dealt with the repercussions later. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, I think that's, that's a state of the industry right now. Not, not every game has the Nintendo seal of approval on it. Yeah, and, and whether there's, uh, you know, development snafus, um, such as, you know, with Assassin's Creed, or they're just console-wide snafus, like the uh, the hacking of Sony, the whole PlayStation, you know, network user information is being compromised, uh, Nintendo's console just not, you know, with the Wii U not taking off the way they wanted, but yet... You know, they're still strong. They're still huge brands. They're still going to, to make them and, and the people still want them. Assassin's Creed is a huge fan base. I was looking in our chat here. Uh, Alan S said, who boy, Assassin's Creed Unity launch, worst launch ever. I think this harkens to the demand. You know, uh, they, they see dollar signs and people will often just say, just, just hurry up, crank it up, get it out there. People want to see it. And then you get, uh, you know, huge, notorious snafus with, uh, with glitches and things or, or uh, things that had the potential to be a great game and then just became laughable, like Aliens Colonial Marines. I never played it. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to play it. I, I, I got extreme entertainment value just out of watching YouTube videos and let's play videos. I didn't want to play it. I just felt like being violated. <laughs> Oh man, but if you guys want to get on this, we, we love feedback, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, you know, topic suggestions, feedbacks, reviews, whatever you guys want to contribute. We were more than happy to, uh, to, to give it, uh, a, give it a go right here. The big ball broadcast at gmail.com is our email address at BB broadcast is our Twitter address. And we also have our facebook.com slash big ball broadcast as well. So you can follow us all over social media. And all that fun stuff and catch up on all our episodes at Smodco, which is smodcast.com. You can also hear us live on the stream on Thursday nights at 8.30 p.m. Pacific. And again, repeating on Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, so I think that's all the plugage we need to go there. Let's actually sit here and talk about some of the stories that you, Steve, have gathered for our illustrious episode here. Where to begin? Do you have a recommendation, suggestion? Ooh, uh, this one interests me because I was a huge Kiss fan before. Gene Simmons and uh, the WWE teaming up for horror movies. This is so weird. Uh, for me, it's kind of out of left field. I haven't watched wrestling, I don't know, since the early 80s. But apparently, um, this alliance is being launched. Uh, it's a three-picture co-production deal, starting with uh, Temple, which was originally acquired and developed by WWE Studios. And uh, it's it's a horror film trilogy, not necessarily all associated, um, but they brought aboard uh, Gene Simmons, which anybody who knows Gene Simmons or knows uh, Kiss, the one thing the guy certainly knows how to do is market. He turned Kiss, I think, into the first music brand where it wasn't solely about the music. I mean, it gets to the point where you can buy kiss condoms and, and kiss caskets and, and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, 
But, you know, Simmons says that horror films fall into that genre that thrives on genuine passion. And I believe that this par- partnership truly capitalized on that sentiment and support of our vision. And Temple was um, written by Matt Salveroni, whomever that may be. Sorry, Matt, I'm not familiar with your name. Um, uh, 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 that's about it. There's <laughs> not a heck of a lot of information. This is from Variety. If you want to look it up on Variety Kids, Variety.com. Um, I thought it was interesting to see uh, what's wi- wi- uh, widely regarded as a, a wrestling federation uh, delve into feature film, and not necessarily films that are going to um, star their talent. So, I don't, does does it matter to you as a, a moviegoer where these movies are coming from, or, or who's producing it to have any interest, or, or do you go just based on the merits of the trailer and the hype that it's getting? The merits of the trailer. My interest level can come with um, the uh, the credentials behind it. You know, if it's you know from the makers of Paranormal Activity or something, it's like, oh, my eyebrows will be raised because I enjoy that series. Uh, if it's something like this, my eyebrows are raised because I know. You know, Gene Simmons and the Kiss brand and all that stuff. Do I think they need to be branching out into this sort of thing? No, no, I, I really don't. I think they're, they're making enough money as it is, but you know, that's, that's the way Gene Simmons works. I remember last year hearing Kevin Smith talk about, uh, how he was approached by Gene Simmons and they wanted to, to work on something. And when he was, uh, you know, lining up his next projects after Tusk, um, he had an idea and a screenplay, and then uh, I guess Gene Simmons just said, "Like, oh, we don't, we really want to work this way," or, or it just fell through. It was amicable, it, it was nice, and 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 I was intrigued by it. It's like, man, I grew up listening to Kiss; I was a huge fan of it, and right now I'm a huge Kevin Smith fan. This sounds like a a, a very intriguing marriage, uh, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. But I can. It's interesting to see that Gene Simmons still has that interest because I've always what I've known about him is he's been a lifelong horror fan. Uh, he used to read horror comics, loves the old classic Universal things. That's that's kind of one of his big passions. So uh, to see this come up, it's an odd pairing to see it with wrestling, but it kind of makes sense in in that uh, wrestling is such a huge moneymaker. I mean, God, I was just watching the WrestleMania thing that just happened. My whole feed on, on Facebook was, was it's like, I had no idea how all these people that I follow uh, are wrestling fans. I had no idea. And uh, I was into wrestling when I was younger, like, like yourself. And I, you know, the, I was into the Hulk Hogan years and all that stuff. And I was already out of it interest wise by the time the rock came along and all that. But, um, it did catch my eye when uh, he had the rock and then, then that gal uh, wearing the it's over 9,000 shirt in the ring. It's like, Oh, okay. That's cool. That was cool. I, they came across my feed today and I had to chuckle about that. I was like, Oh yeah. Some, some props to the, the DBZ out there. Um, you brought up Kevin Smith and, and what I've been seeing come across my feed a lot lately uh, for those that don't know, but Kevin's confirmed that right now he's working on two new movies not necessarily new, they're continuations of, of other projects, but he's confirmed Mallrats 2 and Clerks 3. And I know we're on Kevin's network, and we, we gotta, I guess, be, be kind to the smod father here. Mallrats, I think, was, uh, in my opinion, one of the more commercial films that Kevin Smith did. I think it had more uh, uh, commercial appeal at the time, and I kind of dug it. It 
was a geek movie. You had a bunch of geeks in there, different passions, film and comic books and, and all that. You had a Stan Lee cameo, which is always great to see. This was pre, uh, Marvel, uh, uh, sneaking him in and, and all their films. So, um, I, and he's bringing back uh, the majority of the original cast. Uh, I know Jason Lee signed on and a bunch of other people. So I have to say, I am genuinely excited to see what he's going to bring to the table with uh, Mallrats too. Hells yeah. It's like, uh, Kevin, can you please put your Smodco family in cameos? Does that sound like I'm begging or, or catering too much or, or using our position of influence? I don't know. Not at all, because I'm thinking, hey, you know, maybe some perimeter of the void in the soundtrack. Otherworld Steve makes music. I'm just saying. Uh, Dork of all trades, who has his own podcast. He's in our, tr- our chat room right now. He says, I'm on board for both. Clerks 3 is being filmed in my hometown. That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Smith, after it- it's so cool to see him come back around to the filming thing because, you know, for years he's just been, uh, just tearing up the, the comedy circuit, just traveling, touring and all that. And then he got back into it. And when he saw, you know, the Smodco, the Smodcast network and everything catching on and, just fans worldwide embracing it. And, uh, it kind of just reignited everything. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, yeah. Happy to see, uh, clerks three being made. Uh, I, I loved, uh, the clerks. I don't, I'm not going to say a franchise, but <laughs> I definitely love the films and I love mall rats. I saw that theatrically back in 95 and I remember it not doing well theatrically, but it had a cult audience. And I especially, my favorite, one of the favorite things is back uh, when the audio commentary was done, I think it was a Criterion version or something, they ported that over to the DVD, and you can hear him talking about, DVD will never catch on. <laughs> and now, you know, here we are. Maybe, maybe you know, since Small Rats is celebrating a uh, another anniversary, we'll probably get that with a brand new commentary. If not already, I should pay attention to what's out there. I never ate a chocolate-covered pretzel after 1995. Right. Yeah, that, that, that's something. If you get Michael Rooker back, especially after being in Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I like what Kevin's doing, getting all the main cast members to, to take a picture, you know, them holding their hands up with the number two sign or whatever. It's like, ah, I see what you did there. That's good. Good way. Good way to build interest. And I, I dig films, um, that portray the passage of time in real time. You're, you're, you're picking up in the modern day. I, I think there's, uh, enough story to be told about, um, where they've been, what they've been doing, how everybody's come back to, uh, unite. Now, kind of in the same vein, this was incredibly interesting for me. Um, interesting. I, I can't say necessarily beneficial to the population at large, but Paramount is developing a multi-part Transformers sequel and spinoff films. And Deadline's bringing word that Paramount is hoping to uh, emulate Lucas's uh, plan for Star Wars with the development of spin-off films. And um, I am legend writer, I hope I say these names correctly, I apologize in advance, um, Avika Goldsman will work with Michael Bay, Steven Spielberg, and Lorenzo D. Bonaventura to create a, quote, writer's room, and the goal of which will be to develop ideas for a multi-part Transformers sequel, and potential spinoff films. So essentially what they're saying is they're creating a Transformers cinematic universe. Discuss. Ah, man. Um, it makes sense because the Transformers films, no matter what people can, can tear into them, it's just, it, it's, it's critics proof. They continue to make huge, huge bucks. I'm sure the toys are, are just, you know, still 
pouring off the shelves and, and kids still are fascinated and love that. You know, it doesn't matter if it's a bad movie, it seems like, because if people want the toys and, uh, if they're into it, they're, they're gonna continue that. This, I hadn't thought of. I thought they would just continue with just the, the main storyline stuff. Um, it's interesting that they don't try different uh, avenues, especially how expensive the films are, that maybe they try different things. Um, and maybe the cost keeps it from going other avenues, such as Netflix and whatnot, just having different things, especially as people become more internet savvy with their programming and content generation and everything. Since it's going that way anyway, the theatrical windows are getting closer and closer to home video. I think the last Transformer movie was on home video within three months of being in the theater and making a shit ton of money. Um, so I would think if I were a Paramount executive, it's like, well, these people, we know they'll come to the theater, but why can't we just get them at home? You know, we could, we could do that. We could save money and still have them hooked because of that name, that brand recognition. At this point, I don't think they care. Age of Extinction grossed over $1 billion, uh, globally and all four films combined have grossed over 3.7 billion dollars so i think paramount just has a license to print money um yeah unfortunately i'm I'm that guy who says michael bay raped my childhood this isn't the transformers i remember and honestly um with even the animated show that that just launched uh robots in disguise um two episodes out my my son my seven-year-old loves transformers he likes watching it in, in that iteration. At least you know the the big yellow guy is Bumblebee, and, and the the big red and blue guy is Optimus Prime. The Bay films um, with the, the quick cuts and the explosions, and you can't tell what bots what, and, and it gets pretty fucking ridiculous. Um, but it doesn't matter. Obviously, people are going to the theater, and, and they're exploring this. Um, I guess Mark Wahlberg as well, you know, he says he's committed to doing a couple more. He says he can't speak for Mr. Bay, but something tells me we'll be on set soon. So what I'm wondering by that statement is if they're doing something that's very closely uh, paralleling the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars, where you're going to have a continuing story arc going on, but that also opens up the opportunity for every other year, every two years, just to release a total side project. Maybe we'll have a film that just focuses on Cybertron. Maybe we'll have another film that'll focus just exclusively on the Decepticons and not their battle with the Autobots. The I, premise yeah. is pretty cool, but again, I'm going to be that guy and say, I don't think we need that much of this Transformers. <laughs> or the classic vein, sure, but not, not this. Yeah, I mean, isn't Michael Bay moving away from this, or did they just keep him attached? What was that? Are they keeping Michael Bay attached to, to all these things? Uh, let's see. The, there was a quote here that Bay is moving on to work on his Benghazi drama called 13 Hours, and he hopes to have the plans ready for a new film so that he can um, move on forward after production of that film started. So to a certain degree, and again, I wonder if it's going to be the, the – uh, the, the mythos, the, the story arc, if it's going to continue to stay attached to that. But at least for the time being, he's going to have his fingers in it. I guess his, his the, the um, intensity of his involvement may fluctuate. Yeah. Now, um, I have uh, kind of the opposite sentiment of you, Steve, when you say uh, you think Michael Bay raped your childhood. 
Dork of all trades in our chat room says, rape your childhood is a silly statement. Your childhood is still intact. Just ignore the new shit like I do with the new TMNT movies. Uh, I'm kind of on board with that sentiment because it's not like the originals were erased. Uh, with Star Wars, you had the special editions, but most of us have the classic VHS unaltered cuts. And of course, the rumors are Disney will remaster them and put them out and make gobs of money on in, in high def formats. So I'm thinking, you know, you got your old Transformers, you got them remastered in Blu-ray. You can pop that in any time and just ignore the, the Bay films, right? I mean, honestly, it doesn't erase what's already been there. No, I, I get that it doesn't erase it, but you could only relive it so much. And let's be honest, if you go back and you watch the 80s Transformers, it doesn't hold up that great. You know, neither does G.I. Joe or Thundercats or He-Man. All of these things we enjoyed growing up, they, they really don't hold up that well. I'd like to see maybe some newer stuff. I, I do appreciate that they're continuing to make um, Transformers cartoons, but the cartoons, they've always been hit or miss. I, I wasn't a fan of Beast Wars. I didn't like the transition over to CG. I didn't like the premise. Um, but some of the more traditional stuff like with Bumblebee and Megatron and, and Optimus Prime and, and Starscream and everybody, I, I dug the shit out of that. Um, I think it needs a little bit of a campy element. I think, you know, you can't take something that was – very campy, very tongue-in-cheek. Let's face it, these cartoons were all made to sell toys. That was the only reason these cartoons existed. Um, I don't think you can turn around and make it too serious. I think that you kind of lose the joke at that point. Mm, yeah, fair enough. Uh, let's talk about... Um, uh, this came out of nowhere. Uh, Adam and West and Burt Ward announcing they're doing a Batman 66 animated movie. Now, we know that the, the 66 comic series... Uh, was it was a great tribute to uh, the the 60s Batman TV series and uh, Smodko's own Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman from Hollywood Babylon teamed up uh, to do uh, a Green Hornet crossover into that into that realm. And uh, that just came out in, in trade format for those who uh, still go to the physical comic store for the actual copies with your your bag and boards and such. But um, this uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this one. Yeah, I mean, as you said, this came out of left field. When this hit my newsfeed, I had to bookmark it for the show. At the Mad Monster Party Convention in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina this past Saturday, the classic uh, dynamic duo actors announced they're on board for at least one, possibly two, animated Batman and Robin features. Now, what's pretty cool about this, from what I understand, is um, – these films are going to take place in that timeline. It's, it's going to take place in uh, the 66-styled the era. So you know it's going to be, as I just said, all that camp, all that tongue-in-cheek, what, what you saw in the uh, the original live-action uh, run on CBS is going to be in, in cartoon format. And um, I'm pretty excited about that. There is a uh, official announced video on YouTube with Burt Ward and Adam West uh, making the announcement at the convention. If you want to go check that out and, and get some more of the deets, but um, I mean, what can I say? I'll, I'll be there to check this out because you know what to expect going in. You know, uh, it, it's it's not Shakespeare in the park. It, it's it's just going to be balls out, fucking hilarious entertainment. Hopefully, some some really cool visuals and. You know, I, I think it's something you could probably go in and, and enjoy more earnestly than the more serious productions coming out from DC and Marvel. Yeah, you got the new um, Batman versus Robin. You know, the the, the animated direct-to-video stuff from DC, it continues to do really, really well. 
Um, is there any mention in that article of what are the, it's the plan for the 66 animated movie theatrical or direct to video? From what I understand, theatrical. Um, coming back real quick on what you said, yeah, you know what? I've seen some of the DC animated movies, and, and I know every show, I'm always like Mr. Poo Poo on everything. But DC really has their shit together with their animated films. Every DC animated film I have seen from um, Red Hood to Son of Batman and everything in between, Flashpoint, it's fucking brilliant. It really is. Unfortunately, I can't watch this stuff with my kids because some of them are like ridiculously graphic. I watched one uh, recently. I forget which one it was, but it opens with a guy committing suicide and blowing his brains out. So not something for the kiddies, but, um, son of Batman was, I thought it was pretty incredible. How, where they took it, how they laid things out. Very mature, very, very, uh, the tone is, is very kind of indescribable. And Batman vs. Robin is a continuation of that arc, and I haven't seen it yet, but I'm excited to see that. So, see, I don't hate everything. I, I hate almost everything, but DC with their direct-to-video to movies and, and what they're doing on television, that's the shit where they're excelling. They're, they're just beating the fuck out of Marvel on a daily basis with that stuff. Yeah, and they can take pride in that. I, being a fan of characters in both universes, fully embrace the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well as what DC's doing on TV. Uh, I love The Flash. I uh, really dig Arrow. I haven't really gotten into Gotham that much, but I, it's, no, it's, it's doing well enough. And then, uh, of course, Constantine, which, you know, its fate is going to be decided in a month or so if NBC will bring it back or not. I personally hope that they'll just switch it over to sci-fi since they own that anyway. And maybe they can, uh, you know, give that show uh, where it, a good home where it, where it really needs to be. But I mean, yeah, they're, they're totally kicking Marvel's ass in, in, in TV. We'll, we'll see what Daredevil does on Netflix. Everyone's excited about that. That'll be on by the time our next show comes on and maybe we can have a review. We could sit there and say, all right, we, we, we can sit here and watch the whole thing and, and marathon it. Find out if, uh, this new distribution model works for Daredevil. And all that, but uh, at least the, the animated stuff. The last animated DC thing I saw and really, really dug was Dark Knight Returns, uh, having Peter Weller, RoboCop, the old RoboCop, as Batman in it. I thought that was so rock solid. And I've gotten Son of Batman, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, it's on the to-do list. i got to rip the shrink wrap off that, as well as 80,000 other things in my Blu-ray collection. You know, I, I was thinking, you know, what was the last good animated Marvel movie I saw? And the only thing I can recall, and this goes back probably quite a few years now, is Hulk versus. It's Hulk versus Wolverine and, and Hulk versus Thor. And even that was kind of hit and miss because Hulk versus Wolverine, I thought was great. Um, primarily because you had Deadpool in it and it yes. was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, Hulk versus Thor kind of fell flat. So again, I, I really got to give it to DC because I don't see Marvel competing, uh, to that end. And speaking of Deadpool, uh, kudos to Ryan Reynolds and uh, um, the live action team for for getting the costume right and all that. I'm really, really into what they're going to do with that. The costume looks great. It's spot on. I am not the biggest Daredevil fan, but when when he posted that very uh, t- uh, titless picture, um, yeah, he's in that Burt Reynolds pose, man. It's all <laughs> go Deadpool, man. That's great. I'm, I'm glad Reynolds is in costume for that picture, but yeah, I mean, it, it, and I read that 
there's been a lot of confusion. A lot of people are thinking that they're they're pushing for a PG-13 because, of course, with any superhero movie, you want to hit as much of that market as possible. But Reynolds has been very adamant. They are pushing for an R. That he does not want this coming out with anything uh, more more kid-friendly than an R. And uh, he qu- quoted today, I believe, on Twitter, there was a lot of screaming on set today because they're like, no, 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 don't reel it back. Push it further. We, we really need to make this over the top. It's great that this is a passion project of his. Uh, I'll, I'll be that guy for just a second and say, uh, I, I think he still has a bit of egg on his face from Green Lantern, and I think he feels he has a lot to prove in a... Um, cartoon uh based film because of that so i think deadpool is going to be in excellent hands i think it's going to be well worth all the waiting and the bitching um i I think we have a phenomenal product coming ahead and it might open up uh we'll see what daredevil does does on netflix again that looks to be darker and gritty but let's see if it opens up uh the floodgates a little bit more for darker edgier more mature stuff you want to keep the brand open for kids and family friendly stuff of course yada yada i get the the initiative with PG thirteen, but some properties, you know, the fans are just going to go ape shit. If you try and water it down too much, you don't want that. Even though mainstream audiences aren't comic book readers, but um, with 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 the fate of projects practically being held in the balance by the the pulse of the people in lot of real time with Twitter and Facebook, you know, you, you got to think that. Uh, the power of fans, man, it's, it's, it's a mighty thing. You know, call me a pussy or whatever, but I still firmly believe, uh, dark Knight should have been rated R. I, I, uh, I left the theater kind of thinking, wow, they got something by the censors or, or the censors left with, with their pockets bulging or something because the, the depiction of two face and everything. I mean, it's certainly not a film again, that I would take my kids to, uh, knowing, you were going to have that kind of graphic depiction. So I think they kind of proved a point there. You can be a little more darker, a little bit grittier, a little bit more graphic, and still sell. I mean, that, that movie was gangbusters. I think the rating, getting that R, um, it, it's, it's kind of been a death mark for blockbusters. There aren't many R-rated films that have made tons of money. I don't know if there's an R-rated film that's broken a billion dollars. Um, so maybe so The Matrix, right? I mean... That one event, but that was combined with its sequels. Eh, <laughs> please don't don't even start with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it made a shit ton of money, and it was a franchise, and it was rated R. All three of them. I'll give them that. Yeah, yeah, but again, you know, uh, when we talk about films that I absolutely adore, the first Matrix was incredible. It, it felt like a breath of fresh air in Hollywood. And I enjoyed the shit out of it. That's still a movie that, you know, I could pop in immediately when we're done recording the show and enjoy the fuck out of it. So um, it, they took a risk. It, it really wasn't something that was tried and true. And I think when it broke, there was a lot of hype about it and people were interested in wanting to check that out. Um, I don't know if I want to see a really dark, gritty, mature superhero film or, or see superhero films go in that direction. I do like... Marvel films, and you hear a lot of fans talk about, well, that's the difference between Marvel and DC. In the theatrical universe is, in DC, everything's serious. There's no jokes. And Marvel will give you a a hard wink, a hard nod, a hard tongue-in-cheek, make those jokes, make those cracks, ease the tension. I kind of like that about Marvel. I like that it's not always 100%. 
nobody's yeah. putting on those fake Batman voices or anything. <laughs> well, Deadpool, while it's darker and more adult, but it's also humor. It uh, it definitely has that wink and nudge nudge. Yeah, I mean, maybe your ten year old shouldn't be watching it, but uh, it was never intended for them anyway. I think. <laughs> People, unfortunately, have this association with, with comics and kids, and it's not necessarily the case. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Now, um, spiraling off the uh, the Marvel news there, uh, so I see the headline you gave me, Steve. Now Marvel wants you to subscribe to clothing, too. Yeah, it doesn't just start with movies and, of course, you know, comic books, the whole reason that it, we're even at this place with Marvel. But uh, I guess if you're uh, you're decked out in some Marvel threads... You can't have enough of it. Well, you know, I wanted to talk about this mainly because it's on the face of it. It sounds pretty cool, but watching the launch video and, and, and things of that nature, the apparel, the launch apparel looks kind of vaguely associated to Marvel characters. Like they have a really nice dress shirt and it looks like just your average typical dress shirt that you'd wear under a blazer or something. And you can roll up the sleeves and it has the, the red, white, and blue stripes to emulate Captain America. So to me, it's, it's not comic booky enough, but what's weird. And you know, this announcement's coming pre um, April 1st. So I don't think it's a joke is they set it up as a subscription service like loot crate. And I, I think at some point, um, you would subscribe to something kind of like that. Um, the, the snacks in the mail, I believe, where there's, you're getting a blind box. You're not quite sure what you're getting. So I thought that was kind of interesting to launch an apparel line that has to do with superheroes, but do it in that format where you're going to pay a monthly or, or an annual subscription and they're just going to send it to you and you may not necessarily know what you're getting. Now, where it's apparel, I don't know if, if you kind of have to go on record with your preferred sizes for hats and, and shirts and pants and everything to make sure whatever you get, you can certainly wear. But it, it's blind box, and I'm a little more consumer savvy where I want to know where my money's going. And uh, where you've had some experience with, with blind box purchases, does this even pique your interest at all? Uh, no. I mean, when I think of Marvel clothing, I could walk into any hot topic and see a huge variety of, 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 of merchandise, not just things to, to wear, but accessories and, and all sorts of, of, of cool little knickknacks and everything. So I personally am not interested in this sort of distribution model for things. Um, but maybe I'm a little old school that way. But yeah, with with Loot Crate and all this random stuff, it's like, just subscribe to it and we're going to send you something. Well, what if you send me something for the month and I don't like it? I don't like any of the things because I may be a huge Marvel fan, but it doesn't mean I read and have appreciation for every character equally. What happens when they send you six months worth of shit you just don't want? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, another Thor shirt. Um. Okay. Where's Iron Man? Where's Where's Hulk? Where's uh, Where's Deadpool? It to me again, you know, and, and again, I, I encourage people to check this out and, and come to their own conclusion. This is Marvel joining force, forces with Clothier Five Four. So do a search for Marvel and Five Four, and you know the deets. It just to me again, it seems too loosely associated. There's kind of like this parka neck thing. <laughs> that I guess if you wear it a certain way, you can kind of look like Thor, but there's no big like Thor branding or Marvel branding on it. So it's, it, you can kind of get the same look at home probably with the clothes you already have. 
Fair enough. I mean, if they're going to go the clothing route, I mean, why not just make an Agent Coulson suit? Let's just go with that. Or nice with a nice shield logo or even a Hydra logo. Why not? Just somewhere on the breast pin or something. Well, I, you know, it's funny you say that because I belong to a, a fraternity and uh, part of the apparel requirement is to wear a suit. So if they actually had a shield, a uh, Disney Marvel branded Coulson suit, <laughs> weirdly enough, that's something I might be interested in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even the Shield logo holders and whatnot. I mean, I've seen some cool Marvel wallets. I've even owned some, but uh, I'm waiting on like a definitive Shield logo one, just to just to pull my ID out. It's like, all right, we got a nerd in the house. Oh yeah, I do like the Shield logo. Um, I, I, I'm sure those credit card companies are still doing, you know, get the card stamped with this logo. I'd, I'd love to submit the Shield logo, and every time I whip out my debit card to buy my coffee and cigarettes, Shield. <laughs> it's a badass logo. I dig it. Yeah, like my bank will do custom cards, but they're quick to post this. Like, we will not do trademark images. <laughs> you know, you can have a picture of your kids, your dog, or whatnot, but, you know, don't be sending us, uh, <laughs> unless these things are, are officially approved and whatnot, have a Bugs Bunny thing that's actually with the TM, TM logo, Warner Brothers or something, blah, blah, or the Batman, because I know there's like Batman credit cards out there, right? I mean, I guess there's some things that you could get that are geek branded credit and debit cards. Years ago, um, my wife did a uh, very small cameo at the end of Yu Yu Hakusho um, on the English dub. So I took a screen cap of that character, and it's just some fucking random character, some some high school friend of, of um, Kikyo's. So uh, I hope I got that right. I haven't watched Yu Yu Hakusho in a while. But anyway, um, I, I went to Cafe Press, and I, I wanted to get a mug with, with this uh this character on it and they were like nope you can't do that and i'm like how the fuck did they realize that this was something that was licensed and not just some random fanboy thing <laughs> oh man can you believe that we're we're like at the hour point it's already here we are we, we thought before we recorded it's like we got like 15 minutes of shit so pad but <laughs> we did it we even have a story left over i don't know we should go ahead and save it because it's in- in- interesting as fuck are we gonna make people wait what do you think it can wait. It's too interesting. I will bookmark it. We'll definitely hit it with it next episode. Oh, fantastic. It's like next time on the Big Ball Broadcast. We're, we're going to talk about shit that we didn't get to this week because, yeah, where does the time go? But uh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, went out Sorry, the window. Went out the window. I want to give a shout out to Sigmund88 and Dork of All Trades and Alan S. and everybody that stopped by our chat as we do this on uh, a live audio stream on uh, Tuesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We'll do it again next week. Until next time, this is Kyle Abair. And this is Otherworld Steve. See ya! Special thanks to Will Wilkins and Jason Peer. Music provided by iShine, Perimeter of the Void, and Zero Reynolds. Follow us on Twitter at BB Broadcast and email the Big Ball Broadcast at gmail.com. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com. I'm Will. And I'm Trent. And we are NetHeads. You can hear us live every Sunday at 6 p.m. Pacific on Sir. 
Smodcast Internet Radio. You know, Kevin Smith himself has claimed that Will is the Batman of Internet Radio. He's leading a double life, man. He's like Batman. Bruce Wayne in the office, and he's our Batman on the air. We cover more pop culture and tech gadgets than the Dark Knight can fit in his utility belt. We're defragging the internets, giving you the data necessary for mega nerd status. Consider us your audio RSS feed for the nerd news you need but can't stop World of Warcraft long enough to read. That's NetHeads at 6 p.m. Pacific time, only on Sir. Smodcast Internet Radio. At smodcast.com.